It is a wonderful thing to be one of God's children. In this lesson, guest speaker Erica Weir discusses Psalm 91 and the incredible gift of God's protection over us. All this and more as we continue our year of the family. I'm Philip Jackson, and this is the Married Now What Podcast. Okay, well, if you guys will bear with me, this is for sure very out of my comfort zone. But when Philip asked me to, I was like, I do not want to. And he was like, I think you should pray about it. I was like, I do not want to. (laughs) And the Lord was like, you should do it. And I was like, no. (laughs) So I tried to put it off on Becca. She was like, sorry, I can't. And so here I am. But I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about what the Lord's taught me, and I'm excited to share it with you. I'm just really nervous about standing up here and everyone looking at me. So we're going to talk about Psalm 91 today. Um, Psalm 91 is a song of protection. So if you look at the Psalms, it's a book of 150 poems, and each of the poems are kind of separated. You have like five different books. And so we're going to look specifically within book four, which is Psalm 90 through 106. So it starts in... um, with Psalm 90, and we're going to be still like in the second Psalm of that book. So at the beginning of that book and book four kind of focuses on, um, the people, whoever wrote the book, um, responding to crisis while they're in exile. So, um, they're in exile during this time. So as I said, the author is unknown. I read like 15 commentaries and each of them had a different idea of who they thought wrote it. But then they also ended up with like, but really we have no idea. So we're going to go with we have no idea who wrote it. Um, one of the coolest things that I feel like I learned, I, I feel like all of us have read the Psalms and have read passages or like love verses out of the Psalms. Um, but one of the biggest things I got was the people during this time, they use the book of Psalms as a way to worship as though they were in the temple when they couldn't be in the temple because they were in exile or after the temple had been destroyed. And I feel like that put a whole new meaning to the words on the pages was like, they were longing to be present with the Lord because at the time they didn't have the Holy spirit. Like they were longing for that time. And I feel like it makes the words a lot sweeter. Um, and so, um, another thing is that it's a written example to the people of God of how to worship and to pray, and that shows us um, really good examples of how we can live out our life in the different circumstances. So let's read Psalm 91. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers you will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place. No harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. 
because he has his heart set on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. So when I first was reading Psalm 91 and thinking about like where um, the Lord wanted me to go with this, honestly, I was struggling a lot because I was like, this verse says we aren't going to struggle. We're not going to have hard things. And I'm like, that is not true. (laughs) So like I had a few moments where I was like, I just can't preach a sermon. I'm going to have to change it because I cannot sit here and be like, you're not going to have trouble when I'm like, I know we all have trouble. So I hope that like you guys can understand like where the Lord took me in this um, by the time we get to the end and see some hope in what kind of feels like a little bit of like a everything's going to be just fine because I'm like sometimes everything's not fine. Um, So the kind of the first section of this is the Lord's protection that we receive when we choose to dwell in him. So Psalm 91 says the one who lives under the protection of the most high dwells in the shadow of the almighty. And so as I was thinking of this, my mind immediately went to like a cabin in the woods. And like, so imagine you are in the deep forest, you have the tall trees, there's a small little cabin and the Lord has told us like, I have put a safe place for you wrapped in all of the chaos of the world. Like there's a safe place for you. All you have to do is like open the door and walk in. Like it's here, it's ready for you. Um, it's a place of safety and shelter from the elements and the unknown outside the cabin. And just as a cabin would protect us, if we were surrounded by the chaos of nature, as believers, we can live in the protection of God. And I think it's really cool too. So I know how Michael has been talking about, like we have the protection and then the protection. And I feel like this verse one was really a reminder of that because he says, those who live under the protection of the most high you have the protection and then you have the shadow of the almighty and i feel like it was a really good representation of like the protection and the protection um so the word shadow i was like what does that mean um so it kind of is it can mean like shadow or shade um usually to symbolize a sense of protection and it really reminded me so you guys will see kind of throughout this because they're talking about the time where they long to be in the temple to worship. There's a lot of like little Easter eggs where it like references back to what life would have been like as they were worshiping in the temple. And I feel like this was a good reminder of the presence of the Lord that sat over the room in the Holy of the Holies um, within the temple. So verse two um, says, I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse two is really just a reassurance of verse one. It kind of gives us like a calming effect of like what we get once we're in the shelter or the dwelling place of the Lord. And then verse three, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. So I was thinking a lot about bird traps and I was like, we don't really use bird traps anymore. If people are like hunting birds especially like they don't really use traps they just shoot them um but so i was looking at some older pictures and back in the day they would trap birds with they would have basically like a ring and there would just be like strings just like and so basically the birds would just like fly through it and then their wings would get stuck and then they couldn't fly out um so i thought this was like a really good analogy for 
basically the way that we can be trapped. And so traps are almost always camouflaged. And so the the traps of our lives are camouflaged. And I feel like it's easy to say that, but to look at our lives and to see the way that we're um, tempted by the camouflage, like we're just like, oh, you can't see it. Um, but that's some of the things that really um, we can struggle with. Um, and then traps almost always have bait. And bait is always something that is appealing to us, whether that be pleasure or luxuries or for animals food. Um, and we're swayed by those things to draw closer to danger. Because if there's just like free food sitting out there, you're like, mm, why is that there? And so I think that's one of those things that we can take to heart of remembering of like focusing on the Lord instead of seeing the things around us and um, being fooled into being further tempted. Um, so one of the last things is that almost all traps have is their ability to be adapted. And so I wanted to read from you. So Charles Spurgeon wrote an entire sermon lecture on just the term like the bird trap. And so in his like King James version, it was called the fowler. So he titled it the snare of the flower. So I just, the snare of the fowler. So I just wanted to read this to you guys because I thought he summed it up really well and honestly way better than I could have ever done. You do not find a fowler setting the same snare for one bird as for another. He knows his bird. He adapts his bait to it. He would be unwise. He would be an unwise fowler who should go to work with the same machinery to catch the lark that flies on high as the duck that swims along the stream. The fowler is wiser than that. He adapts his snare to the condition of the bird which he desires to take. Satan the fowler does just the same. And that was like, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, that one really hit me because I'm like, the ways that we are tempted, like, I know that we've all said like, man, I don't understand why so-and-so just like really struggles with that thing. Like, it is so easy. I don't have that problem at all. And it's like, yeah, but I have my own problem. (laughs) And those things that trip other people up don't trip us up and vice versa. And I feel like that's a really good encouragement, not only to ourselves to be on the lookout for the traps that are laid for us but also to be more understanding of our fellow believers and the people in our lives of understanding that like we all have different things that impact our lives and the things that we may struggle with. Um, You don't have to like, they look different because they're more effective that way. And that's the way that he, he Satan plans them so that they're more effective. And I think that we can give our fellow believers a lot more encouragement and seeing just like, just because their story looks different than ours doesn't mean it's worse or better. Um, and then verse three finishes out with, um, we're also rescued from plague or disease. And one thing I kind of wanted to note was a lot of the way that this verse reads doesn't mean that we're rescued from being trapped. It almost reads as though we are rescued from the trap that we were already ensnared in. And so, Sometimes he protects us from going into the trap and keeps us away from it or keeps the plague from, you know, rummaging through our land. But sometimes we're stuck and we have to be like, God, I'm stuck. I don't know what else to do. And he, like, will come in and pull us out. And that's the only way we would have gotten out because if not, we were completely ensnared. Um, so verse 4 says, he will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. Obviously, there's a lot of bird analogies in this section. They must have had a lot of birds. 
but um it kind of just gives you a, a picture of like a mama bird protecting its little babies and they always like snuggle up underneath the wing and it can protect them from rain or danger or the wind or falling out of the nest or you know any different things but also one of the coolest I wish I thought it's on my own I didn't I read it somewhere but it was really cool to me that this was also a reference to the wings of the cherubim um over the mercy seat and like the protection um that we have there as well as a reference to the temple and I thought that was really cool um so verse five and six kind of does like a few like parallels. So as you read them, you might, or as I read them out to you, you might just kind of listen for the different parallels of the opposites of each other. So verse five says, you will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. So we don't have to fear terror or arrows or threats of war, night or day, plague or pestilence darkness or noontime so basically he's just saying like whatever may come whenever it may come we don't have to be afraid it's not and like this was one of the things that I was like what if I am afraid (laughs) and so I think one of the things that the the Lord gave to me was like it's not about not being scared like we don't have to walk through our lives and not admit to not being scared Um, but we can also in our fear fully trust that the Lord is going to protect us and give us comfort even when the things we fear may come. And that was really encouraging to me. Um, Verse seven and eight, though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. And this is kind of just a way of saying that our God is not a God of statistics or analytics. Um, They don't really apply to him. They're like, a thousand and ten thousand and they're kind of just giving like these ratios and it's not that those can't be important but God is saying that he's above them and he's bigger than them and you know there's different examples you know we've been studying in Judges the war where Gideon takes I think it's like 300 people against like I want to say it's like 120,000 don't quote me on that and it's like that makes no statistical sense like you should not win 300 versus 120,000 or whatever the number is and that's exactly why God used that number is because he was like, I want it to be you. There was no chance that the people could have said like, we won the war. They had to be like, there's no way we did that. God did all of that. Um, and then it kind of finishes with the punishment for the wicked. And so I think it kind of just says that there's, At the end of the day, we all get a reward. And for believers, we are rewarded with eternal life in his presence. And the wicked are rewarded with exactly what their life has professed, a life far away from God. And so we have verses 1 through 8 that we just read. And then 9 through 13, it kind of repeats itself. It starts all over again a little bit. So you'll see some, um, it's like he's reminding us again, there's a place for us to go. There's protection, and here's the protection that we receive. Um, But compared from verse 1 to verse 9, they're really similar, but verse 9 feels a lot more intimate. So let's read verse 9. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. And it it takes it from, so verse 1 says, the one who lives under the protection, and verse 9 is like, 
you have made the Lord your dwelling place. So he, I think he is going deeper to talk about only believers who are really focusing in and spending time in the dwelling place with the Lord. And verse 10 says, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. So there's kind of two options when we look at the trials of our lives. There's suffering and trials, sickness and disease in this world. And it's a call for us to draw closer to the Lord. And sometimes the sickness, the disease, the trials, the wars mean death. And that really just means a, that's an opportunity for us to be, to be brought directly to the presence of the Lord. And as much as that seems like, well, it'll be fine regardless, like we, we have the choice, not whether we, not the impact, but we have the choice of our response. And our response can be, this is hard. I want to draw closer to the Lord. Lord, bring me closer to you. Or like, if any, the worst thing that can happen to me is like, I'm going to be with the Lord. And I think there is some encouragement in that. So verse 11 and 12 for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he kind of mentions, mentions the angels protecting us. And I kind of just thought of that as like one more, one, another form of protection that we have. So we have the protection of the dwelling place. We have the protection of the shadow. And we have the protection of the angels that the Lord has given to us. And I'm sure some of you guys were have heard the part where it says so that you will not strike your foot against a stone and this is the part in the gospels where the devil actually quotes the scripture to tempt jesus into jumping off the temple um, to create a spectacle and then the angels are supposed to come and save him and so um there was so much protection from the angels that they he was like, they can save you. And Jesus was like, I have all the protection I need and I don't have to show it to you just so that it can be proved that I will be protected. Um, so verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. I honestly feel like verse 13 was probably one of the most encouraging verses. And this whole time we've just talked about being protected. Like there will be a future where we no longer have the sicknesses and the disease and the trials of this world. And verse 13 is also probably the biggest um, point of like pointing us directly to the cross um, because it is no longer just a protection. It's a full defeat of our enemies. And it's the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus's death on the um, over full sin and Obviously, I don't think you can think of, you can read the verse 13 where it says you will trample the young lion and the serpent and not think that the serpent meant um, Satan. And I think that was just a really cool point where it completely just is like, not only are we just protected, but like we, there will come a point where sin is fully defeated. And so between verse the kind of the first section, so like verses 1 through 13 and 14 through 16, the, the chapter kind of takes like a really big turn of like where the direction of the chapter is going. So it kind of switches from there's an opportunity for protection if we choose to take it, and these are the outcomes if we choose to be protected. 
and then this last these last three verses are almost as though it was a message from God directly to his people. And so as I read, I'm going to read the verses, but then as I'm explaining them, I'm going to kind of flip them because they're in first person. And it sounds really weird if I'm saying like, I will save you. And so I'm not going to talk like that. So verse 14 says, because he has his head, because he has his heart set on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And this is just God telling us that he loves us. And he has his heart, his heart set on. He loves us. And when we have our heart set on him, he will deliver us. And he will protect us. And he knows us by name. And um, one of the biggest things I notice is like he can't know us by name if we're not spending time in his dwelling place. Like the like you can't expect someone to know your name if you don't spend time with them, if you don't talk to them, if you don't get to know them. And the best place that we can feel to, like protected is if we spend time in the dwelling place. And the only way that the Lord can know our name is if we've put ourselves in a place and given the opportunity for the Lord to get to know our hearts. And so verse verse 15, when he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. So God will answer us when we call and he will rescue us. Just like we talked about in verse three, he will rescue us from the traps that have been laid for us. And then verse 16 I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. So obviously he doesn't mean that we're going to like live to be really old here on the earth. And, but he does mean that we will live a long eternal life through salvation in Christ Jesus. Um, well, I'm going to be way short. So you guys are going to get so much time to talk, but um, I just wanted to encourage you that we get to choose where we live. Um, some things are certain there will be hardships during this life. So while dealing with the things of this life, we can either choose to live them outside of the realm of protection or under the shadow of the almighty covered under the shadow of the almighty. In the current time, we can see rest in his arms. We can seek rest in his arms and we can renew our hearts and minds and prepare ourselves to be sent back out into the things of this world. As we are reminded in verse 16, we will find peace as we look forward and fix our eyes regardless of what is around us in this time, towards the salvation that is promised to us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Married Now What podcast is a ministry of Evergreen Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and is meant to be a resource for in-depth Bible study for couples striving to build their lives on the truth of God's Word. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.